Shut up and sit down. everybody um i hope you are having an awesome holiday season and um you aren't uh you're saving room for a big meal if you're having a big meal and you're avoiding family if you hate your family and you just i hope you're just having your best time right now i posted the first part of darkly loyal um today about a half hour ago um i'm going to be posting it as i edit it so i finished the first five chapters in editing so i went ahead and posted it and i hope you guys enjoy it and if you don't enjoy it i don't want to hear about it okay (laughs) so tonight we're going to talk about beta um and the alpha reading experience and we've discussed this before um and we're going to talk about it again because i think it's an important part of fandom and um um we're just going to talk about it so uh and julie has opinions julie has I lots of have opinions. opinions yeah i'm just i'm just a font of opinions <laughs> The thing is, is I see a lot of value in the beta and the alpha process. I do. Um, I've learned a lot about myself as a writer in that process, just as much as I've learned um, in professional editing circumstances. So it isn't that I don't understand the value or I'm trying to say that it doesn't have value. I'm just saying I'm fed up with it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it is um it's not quite i mean we we talked about that the, the you know the alpha process is sort of analogous to a content editor and the beta process is a little bit more like a line editor and and so it, it's not quite as intense but i mean there it, there's there's parallels to be drawn um and but i think one of the one of the things that's fun about one of the things that's fun about fan fiction is the um you don't have you can't ignore some of the um structure and constraints of of, of professional writing um now some things i you know I, I wouldn't choose to ignore but like you know extraneous scenes and stuff the story maybe necessarily need that you'd have to edit out you can do that in fan fiction you can have vanity scenes and that kind of thing um and you also have the freedom to not have somebody else all up in your shit <laughs> so there are times when I, I feel like I really need help with a project or, or whatever. Or I mean, I can always benefit from the whole beta process, but sometimes I just don't want it. And it is not that anybody ever – that my betas are difficult to work with or anything like that. That's just not it. It's just – I just want to deal with it, you know? Um, well, I posted stats about Dr. Lowell, and let's, let's use that as an example. Um I let me find that post on my Facebook because I listed how many minutes I spent writing. 
it based on the word statistics. Okay, so it is 181,000 words, and I spent 25,759 minutes writing it. Okay. So that's like so, that's basically like eighteen solid days. Yeah. Um it is a very large number. Now if you think about breaking a fic down like that to edit, um and even I don't like to split my fic and like have one person beta half of it and another person beta the other half. Um so it would be like I would give the whole fic to Lady Holder. Probably in parts like I did my Quantum Bang. And then I would get all those parts back, and then I would edit them. And then if I felt like I needed another edit, I would ask Jilly if she had time to edit 181K. And she would probably say yes, because she's never told me no. But then it would take like six months. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But if it did take six months, I wouldn't be surprised. Because it's 181 fucking K, right? Right, and for reference, it took Lady Holder a month to edit, to to out to to beta read my um to beta my uh, quantum bang, and my quantum bang is 115k. And Lady Holder, Lady Holder beta beta is way faster than I do. She's a much faster yeah. beta than I am. Um. So, however time long it takes her, I figure usually I'm going to take me double. Double that time. She 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 baited very quickly. Is my experience because she's baited for me a couple of times, um, and she she typically gets on it and turns it right around. So, um, so if I put um, Doctor Lowell in beta, I would not expect to be able to post a single bit of it um, before May because. We have Quantum Bang going on. We have the April Challenge that will be coming in. Um, I'm in the beta pro. I am basically half finished with the beta process for my Quantum Bang. Um, I have not seen Jilly's um, Quantum Bang, but I assume that I'll be part of her team. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I haven't seen Lady Holders. I'll be part of her team. So do you see, just imagine trying to stick 181K in that process when both of them are about to throw 55, 60, 70K at us. <laughs> if Darkly Lowell got edited within the next six months to post, I would have been surprised. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I've been working on this stick since 2015. I finished it. Grammarly is going to be my beta, <laughs> and the whole the whole the whole construct of beta is. Um, I mean, I don't know how that whole that whole. Well, I we well, I know what a beta reader is outside of fandom. The beta reader, and it's kind of gotten a little bit corrupted from how it was originally in fandom. But you know, when we talk about another podcast that. Um, some publishers do beta groups with a story. It's like they'll give them early readers. They give them, you know, th- this group, please read this and tell us if anything jumps out at you. <clears throat> and, 
And that concept of beta has absolutely nothing to do – it's very similar to software beta, actually, is let's make sure this is ready for prime time. It has nothing to do with line editing. has nothing to do with commas. It's more about does this hold together? Did you enjoy it? Um, do you have any, see any major glaring problems? Like is there a big a inconsistency audience. issue? Yeah, it's sort of like this is, this is just – it is a test audience. You're testing it. It's like the final test, right? So it had nothing to do with editing, really. It was – it was, hello, target audience, could you read this and tell us what you think? And that would be the kind of the, the publisher, like a publisher's final check before they put it out. Well, that process came into fandom, and I think that, like, for some you know, people who are writers, like professional writers who are writing fan fiction, they're like, oh, I need a beta reader to make sure that this all holds together before I put it out. And then that kind of somehow has morphed and twisted it into basically – and a hodgepodge of stuff, because depending upon the writer, they have a different perception of what a beta is. And for a lot of them, it's basically line editing. Most people basically are expecting a line edit when they send something out to beta. Um, and, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a solid writer and you've got – and you run spell check, for God's sakes, run spell check, everyone – and you've got spell check and you use a grammar checker, word grammar checker actually has become more robust than it was back in the day. Um, True. You're going to catch True. a lot of problems. And if you're a solid writer, you probably don't need necessarily that fandom concept of a beta reader. Now, you might want a final, like a test audience thing, but that's a completely different thing. It's like, hey, read this and tell me what you think. That's a completely separate idea. So the question is, is what are you getting out of the beta process that you um, – where does that fit in? Where, how is that helping you? And some people – beta, I think one of the reasons I got twisted is we got a lot of – there are a lot of novice writers coming into fan fiction. And people be like, oh, you need to get somebody to, like, check your shit before you post it. And I think for, I think for – some writers, this, this is just my opinion, folks. We've talked about I have a bucket full of opinions. I think for some writers, the whole beta thing has become a crutch to not have to learn how to um, basically finalize and edit your own work. And, you know, I, I don't actually – I know how to finalize and edit my work. I know how to do an edit. So I, that's not what I need out of beta. And what I need out of beta is actually typo checking, right? Other typos. Anything else right now, I don't just don't want to deal with. And so if I'm prepared to live with the typos being posted, I'm like, do I need a beta? Do I want that cycle right now? Especially in long stories. And I'm like, I don't know. The longer the story is, the more daunting beta is. Um. If I had 10,000 words, I would slam that out to beta with no no hesitation. It's like, here you go, beta that. <laughs> but when you're looking at over 100,000 words, it is a task. And, and it's a task not just for the author, it's a task for the beta too. Because it's, I, I will not beta stories where someone doles out a chapter every few months. There's no chance in hell I would ever get in that cycle again. Because part of, for me, part of betaing is making sure there's continuity. And I can't do that. I don't remember what the fuck the last chapter was about. Right. So you got to reread like, the whole fucking thing. Right. So it's, it is a carve out. 
So I don't, I don't usually with a big sick, I'm usually working on it a couple hours a day, you know, days in a row until I'm done so that I have that thread and I can pull, you know, you know, I can notice like things like, Oh, this character's eye color changed. I'm not going to notice that if it's weeks between parts. So I wouldn't ever get into a beta. I mean, I, I did that with an author several times. I've been like, I feel like I've been every type of betaing. The author who's posting as they go and they throw a chapter at me here and there. I won't do that anymore because it just, it just makes it too, makes it too unpleasant. I've had authors throw rough drafts at me. And it's funny, yeah. and on the beta side, on the beta side, it's like that's part of like learning, learning your limits, right, um, is what you're not going to do again. And, you know, I, I was like, I'm not going to um, accept rough drafts from people anymore. So because it's not my job to clean up people's rough drafts. That's, you know, that, that's that's. That's their job. That's the author's job. But as an author, there's also something. Um, this is going to sound strange. Um, when I when I send something out to beta, I guess something to, because the betas I work with, I don't give them any kind of limitations on what kind of feedback I want. I don't say I only want to hear about punctuation and typos. I don't do that. I mean, you can, and I encourage people to set limits if they are not prepared to hear any kind of constructive feedback. But I don't do that. It's like if I'm giving it to somebody to edit, I'm going to hear whatever feedback they have for me, which is why I only beta with people that I trust. And sometimes I just don't want that opinion, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but it's like I don't, I don't want anybody else's opinion today. <laughs> I just want my own opinion. I watched this thing called uh, it's uh, part of America's Test Kitchen, where this one uh, senior food editor makes gourmet versions of things that probably never should be tried to be made gourmet, like gourmet Skittles and gourmet Twinkies. And uh, she goes through a lot of failure. Her name is Claire. And she was having two other chefs in the test kitchen um, taste something. And they both, it was two men, they both opened their mouths to offer an opinion. And she was like, I'm not in a place where I can accept anything, any sort of criticism. And they both closed their mouths. It's great. (laughs) I'm not in a place. (laughs) I'm not there. And sometimes... Sometimes I'm not in that place, right? And if I'm not in that place, I don't show anybody my shit. <laughs> no. Because, and that's the thing is, like, if I'm going to show it to people, I am. I need to be prepared to be receptive to hear what they have to say. And if I'm not in a place receptive, receptive to other people's opinions, I, I, I don't do the, I don't want to do the beta cycle. And fandom had kind of, like, indoctrinated me into this whole beta thing, and there have been times I've put stuff out to beta, I'm like, I don't want anybody else's opinion on this. I really, really don't. But I did beta anyway, and it made me miserable. So um, I'm not trying to, I'm, you know, if, if I'm not trying to tell people that, you know, don't do beta. If it's something you feel like you need to do, do, do it. And I'm not saying I'm stopping betaing. Um, Actually, I don't know who that question, who that comment was directed at, Lady Holder. But if it was directed at me about the asking questions, um, I actually have no problem with people asking questions when they beta for me because if they're confused about something, I haven't explained myself very well. 
So that's every right? ever problem, yeah. right? It's it's like it's got, you know what the and actually questions are um, a question about you know can you please explain this and this I don't understand what's going on is less intrusive than this is all stupid or this makes no sense or you know I'm confused um, what's going on or whatever those are all really kind of it's it's actually a very gentle way to let an author know that something is unclear and that they need to make the pull the thread a little bit better. Um, but I've gotten betas back. People are like, this is this is completely confusing. I have no idea what you're trying to do. I'm like, okay, dude, well, thank you. Dude, <laughs> stop bringing up the million years. Let me tell you something. I had no problem with the million years. What amused the fuck out of me is that you stuck a YouTube video in the middle of my Word document. To prove your point, <laughs> I would have accepted the change without any sort of co- of <laughs> without any sort of argument whatsoever. I'd have been like, "Sure, <laughs> okay, it was two million years, whatever." <laughs> she, <laughs> I was, when I opened it, I was like. I scroll down through my comments. I'm like, yeah, accept, accept. Oh, I don't think so. Accept, accept. Mm, let me think about that one a minute. Why is there a YouTube video here? <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing subtle about a YouTube video in the middle of my Word document. That wasn't subtle at all. It's like so we don't have to. It's, that's almost like so we don't have to talk about it. Here's my proof that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is, she really didn't need to provide proof. I just hadn't looked. I just had not even thought about looking. I was like, okay, whatever, because numbers aren't my thing anyway. But uh, no, I was never angry about it. It just amused the shit out of me. I was like, babe, she stuck a YouTube video. <laughs> But I, you know, the thing is, is I don't get upset or angry or pissed off in the beta process. That that isn't my problem. I have been um, edited by Satan, so (laughs) so there is no beta in fandom that could really fuck me up. I mean, I'll be just like because. The thing is, is if a beta says something I didn't like, I would just delete it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's my shit, right? Right. And I thought, I don't owe anybody um, uh, anything in fandom. So if so, if a beta says something I don't like, I just, you know, move on. I mean, I've had I've had really bad betas, but um, I don't know. I I had to put together this technical um, publication once with this, and and my content expert, my subject matter expert, was this engineer from Russia who just thought the sun rose and set out of his own ass. And wow. I figured if I could get through that project with him as a subject matter expert, I could handle anything. Um, I don't. I think that's like the only time in my professional life that I've ever like gotten in screaming matches with somebody, because he was he was so 
and it, I was I wouldn't I wouldn't like get in screaming matches with him, but he would just get like one time in a, in a meeting with like several other people, he was just getting so out of control on this on this on this stupid manual we were trying to put out, and his opinion about the way things need to be done. And the guy is not a writer, right? <laughs> so I was just, and finally, I remember in the middle of me of people there, I slammed my hand on the table and I stood up and glared. I'm like, you need to dial the fuck down. And I was like. Maybe that wasn't professional, but I don't care. <laughs> We've crossed the line. We're no longer in a professional working environment. So fuck you. <laughs> but no, you know, so I have actually had editing experiences um, that left me um, sobbing like a child. Um, and it's, uh, it was my first edit. And it, it kind of woke me up a little bit. Um, have those emotional responses to edits anymore? Um, because there there comes a point when you're writing professionally, um, and I was told this, um, and I ignored it. And I hope that those of you who are approaching professional writing um, take this to heart. Um, there comes a point when your word baby becomes somebody else's product. And if you want to publish professionally with a publisher, you have to acknowledge that there is a line where your work stops becoming just your work and becomes a publisher's product. Standard must be met. And when you sign a contract saying you're going to adhere to that publisher's standards, then you are giving them your word on a legal document that you're going to do your part in the editing process um, to the very best of your ability. Whoa. I just dropped something. Um, and Did you feed I mean, it? Because I feed my boobs every day. Huh? I tend to feed my boobs every day. Oh, <laughs> I dropped. You no, know, I I pinned to make a note of something, and I knocked like a bunch of stuff off the table. Was a bit, just was a big crash. <laughs> I didn't know if you guys if you guys heard it or not. No, no, I heard a little click kind of in the background a little bit. Not much. I guess this noise canceling mic works. Um, the um, I'm pretty sure I've made. I'm pretty sure I've traumatized the fuck out of a couple of people with their edits. Um, and I can—I mean, I don't know. There probably are some asshole editors out there, but I can tell you that, like, it's never my goal to traumatize somebody. But the publisher says, "This is what we want you to make this be." Yeah, you know, this is because I get the same standard the author gets, right? So the publisher says, "This is what you're going to make it be." And I get the thing, and I go, sometimes it's like, okay, it doesn't take much to make it what the publisher wants. And sometimes it's like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be here a while, darling. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and when you finish and you've got like, you know, 7,500 corrections for somebody. Um, actually, I think the count was 5,000 in, in, the, in the biggest one I ever did. Um, I'm pretty sure, I mean, her, the document looked like it had been slaughtered. <laughs> 
And I'm pretty sure she probably had a, like a panic attack or something. I wouldn't have been surprised. I felt terrible sending that to her. Um, but I mean, what am I supposed to do? Not correct it? No. It doesn't work that way. One of my favorite editing experiences um, is I had an editor um, split the um, the grammar and the content edit. So when I got it, I got a content edit first, um, and then it went to a line editor, and I got my line edits, um, and then I got a proofing edit. And I really enjoyed that because I felt like um, – because when I, when I get everything at once, it's kind of hard to see the whole project for all the edits, but when it's done like, okay, content first, then line editing and then a proof. I, I really appreciate that as, as a writer. I don't know how editors feel about it. Um, it's one of the ways that it's just something that I prefer, you know, I think, <clears throat> I, mean, I think it like would be optimal, but it's difficult if one editor's doing yeah, all of them. Because you just, if you don't line edit, for me, I mean, some people may not be this way, but if I don't line edit when I read it the first time, I'm going to see a fraction of the mistakes the second time. Because my brain's filling in. It, it's skipping over those mistakes the second time. So I have to take a break between a content edit and a line edit if I'm going to do both and have them be separate, and that break would need to be a couple of weeks. And then usually most publisher schedules don't allow for that. So you yeah. have to kind of content line it. For me, I have to content line it at the same time, um, which can be difficult because sometimes, you're, you know, it's weird. Like I, I edited for somebody once where I, I line edited a scene I was recommending they take out. Um, but, I mean, taking the scene out when it comes to content editing, especially with like we're moving an entire scene, um, and that's the author's prerogative, right? So the scene, if they choose to leave it in, it's got to be line edited anyway. So I'm still line editing, uh, you know, like 1,500 or 2,000 words that I'm recommending be removed entirely. So it's a, it's a strange thing to do them together. I think the optimal approach to editing would be content first, fix these things, take this out, add this scene, you need to flesh this out, whatever. And then you get in and you deal with the line, you know, the line item stuff. Because the content stuff is actually the harder thing to deal with um, for most authors. I mean, click, going, you know, clicking, you know, accepting commas or saying I don't like this comma, that's not, that shouldn't be difficult for anybody. But it's the, you know, this, this, your pacing's off here or you need to expand the scene or you need to take some of this detail out. That stuff can be very difficult to hear because that's, that's not a critique on your commas. That's a critique on your work. And that can be very traumatizing. So... Well, you know, when it comes to professional professional circles, um, always, always put your best foot forward. Um, so by the time an editor gets a piece of material that you've written, um, it should have gone through two, three drafts. Um, if you have other writers in your life, avail yourself of them. Get their opinions. 
so that by the time it gets to an editor, there are no glaring inconsistencies and there are no big giant plot holes. And you don't have, and a lot of times that will only leave you with content edits that will make your project adhere to publisher guidelines. Like if um, a publisher doesn't allow a certain kind of sex act, um, which there are, you know, rules about that. Or if a publisher requires that, uh, like in Harlequin Desire books, that the hero has to tell the heroine that he loves her before they have sex. Um, it's it's a publisher requirement. So if if by the time your book gets to a publisher, you've already ironed out all your details, all you'll have left in content editing will be making your project adhere to the publisher's um, standard, which will make your life a lot easier in editing. Mm-hmm. Which is why I recommend self-editing by uh, what's it called? What's it called? Self-editing for fiction writers. It's, it's actually in my hand right now by Rennie Brown and Dave King. It is the book to own if you want to publish. I mean, you know, even if you're just doing fan fiction writing, I think that reading this book will be very good for you as a writer. It, it will expand your horizons. Um, and if you can't afford the Chicago style manual, and it is very expensive, um, download a copy of um, oh my gosh, what's it called? Elements of Style. Elements of Style. It's on. It's it, it, it's everywhere online. There's a PDF, um, and you can get it really cheap on your Kindle if you want to get it on Amazon. Um, and um, it's just it's those are the two. If you have those two, you can do your shit and handle your stuff. But um if you don't want to do in fan fiction, if you don't want to do the beta process and don't. you feel like you don't you don't. Nobody 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 should should do it. I, I, I it it shouldn't be a mandatory thing. And I know there are some challenges out there that people participate in that have a mandatory um beta thing. See, I've often wondered how the hell, how they enforce that or how they can even tell. Because I've read works that were supposedly betaed that left me, you know, scratching my head wondering how bad they were before. Um, because they aren't, they're actually, they're kind of a hot mess. And they've supposedly been through a beta. So, um, and I mean that from a, you know, typos and grammar perspective, not from a content perspective. So, I've never really understood the mandatory beta thing in challenge. I think the idea is they're saying we don't want um, a hot mess we don't want on our site. A hot mess on our site, but a hot mess often to me is more to deal with formatting than the fact. Or you know, if someone is just so lazy that they can't run spell check, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to say. That that's kind of outside the sphere of author we're talking to. But I just have always found that to be kind of a very silly requirement, you know, is that your work has to be beta read because I don't think they should be foisting that that cycle because, A, getting a beta you can work well with is not an easy thing. And therefore, you're shutting the door on participation and challenges when you make beta a mandatory thing. Um, We've had podcasts about how difficult it is to get beta and alpha readers that you can work with well. Because it's not just what they know. It's about do your personalities mesh. Because um, I I wouldn't do well with a beta who thought that I had to do what she said. 
And there, there was somebody who offered to beta for me in, in a challenge I ran. And one of the things, that, and her own spiel about herself was that she's a grammar and punctuation expert, and she expects you to do it. She expects you to take her advice on board and do what she says. I don't. I can't work with someone who thinks they're going to control me like that. I don't even need to work. I don't even. Wait, bitch, are you paying my bills? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing I, I expect from any beta I work with is to understand if I don't take one of their corrections, they're just going to have to live with it. It's not a slight on them. It's just one of the things I learned through the, through the beta process is where my limits are and how to say no. Fan fiction beta taught me a lot about saying no because early in my cycle with doing betaing way back in the day, I would have I felt like a little pressured to kind of, you know, make this change, make that change. Like I had one um, beta who hated that I used ellipsis. And my ellipses used drove her crazy to the point that she would highlight and remove like 90% of my ellipses. And sometimes I do overuse them, but ellipses, especially in dialogue, are very valuable. They indicate a pause in a way that a comma can't. Um, and... You know, she would tell me that this needs to be like this or this needs to be like this. And I, I didn't mind her opinion, her giving me her opinion, but it started to feel like I was, she was crafting this. She was trying to craft the story the way she wanted it to be. It wasn't just say this seems like, you know, this nuance or this, this seems like it's a little not fleshed out. It was like, well, it might be better if he reacted this way. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and I used to feel like I had to because of this whole fandom, you know, I, this whole fandom notion about what the beta was. I had to do what my beta said. And so I learned as I worked with different betas about how to say no and how to preserve the integrity of what I was trying to do but be open to feedback at the same time. So it really is a good learning experience, and I really value it from the, that perspective. But I can't work with people who feel like who are going get, to get offended if I don't do what they want. And right. that's crazy cake because it's not their work. So, you know, when you beta for somebody, you have to, you have to, when, you, when you do what you do, you have to step back at that point. You have... If if they don't like your comma, that's fine. If they don't want to change the spelling of something, well, if they spelled the word wrong and they just don't believe you that they spelled the word wrong, you just kindly ask them to please not credit you for the beta because you don't want your name on that shit. So, and yes, that happened. Somebody used the word vicious quite a lot, but they spelled it viscous, and they did not believe me that they misspelled <laughs> the word. Oh, no. And so they they were rejecting all these spelling changes, and I was like, "Why did you reject all those spelling changes?" And she said, "Well, you you were correcting me to spell it wrong." And I was like, "Why would I correct you to spell something wrong? Did you look in the dictionary?" And she was convinced that it was viscous that that's how you spelled it. And I said, "Would you please not credit me for betaing this because I refuse to have my name attached to something? You do what you want, but I refuse to have my name attached to something that has." Viscous all over the city. Viscous personality. <laughs> viscous. That's just that. That's a special level of terrible. But I wasn't mad. Viscous I doesn't mean was you like, don't like no. vicious. 
<laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't even. Spelling, now spelling to me is something that should be, and I'm, so I'm not talking about British, UK versus US spelling. That's not what I'm talking about. But your shit needs to be spelled right for whatever dictionary you're using. <laughs> that, that's one thing I can't, I, I'm like, if somebody just doesn't want to spell, I'm like, no. Um, so, anyway, it, but it, you have to kind of not get attached to the fact that the person may not take your suggestion and not be hurt or feel like you did anything wrong. It's just it may not be what the author wanted. Um, sometimes you're, you're misinterpret what they're trying to do, and so you tell them this, and they're like, well, that's kind of off the direction I was going. But they may make another change to make what they were actually trying to do more clear. But I've seen people get really wrapped around the axle that an author doesn't want to take their opinion on board. And you just can't do that. You can't be that attached to your own opinion when it comes to the, the beta cycle because ultimately it's the author's opinion that matters. Um, I can't get over vicious and viscous. Viscous, is, viscous it, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't. And the thing is, the word, the phrase that really in my head that stuck out, it was probably like eight or nine instances in like a 40K story where the word vicious was used. Um, but I remember his viscous personality, and I was like, that's wrong. It is not. It, it's, it's vicious. It's, you're spelling it wrong. And they didn't want to change it because they said I spelled, they spelled it that way their whole life. I'm like, so you're attached to your bad spelling and you're going to leave it in? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, well, I just don't think I can change at this point in my life. And I was like, I, don't, I, don't, I can't wait for you. <laughs> you're an idiot. I didn't say that, but in my head, I was like, "You're an idiot." I would have. I could never beta for you. To I would have. I'd have been like, "I can't. I, I can't be associated with your stupidity." You've but been I'm spelling an it wrong your whole life, and now you're stuck with it. So, um, I can't even. Yeah, so the the whole beta cycle is um I have learned a lot. I think it people can learn a lot um, from doing beta. I think it's worth doing, but I don't think that you should bog yourself down or make your if especially if it's making you miserable, which is, you know, we talked about the in the quantum bang, we weren't going to put a requirement to have your stories, you know. But I would still think that people would um I expect them to at least try to grammar edit their, you know, run it through a grammar checker and a spell checker and do their own edit. I mean, that's the editing cycle, right? And really you shouldn't need to do more than that for fan fiction. It shouldn't be this huge burden that we've placed on ourselves to um, go through all these extra steps. If you've if you've done a sec a fine you know edits yourself to the best of your ability you've used a grammar checker you run spell check, um, and you don't want to get do any more than that you shouldn't have to and you shouldn't feel like you have to. Now somebody asked earlier. Um, somebody asked earlier about let me see if I can find the question. Um. 
You tend to beta a certain type of story or size of story. For instance, a series you would would beta, but a standalone you might skip beta. Um, I think it's right. Honestly, right now it's more of a mood thing. It's more of a do I want to? But it's also like Kira mentioned. There's also some logistics in there. If I had to choose between letting my betas at a bunch of small stories and not baiting the big ones, I would probably do that. But also, um, the further off of the f- more AU something is, the more world building is in it, the more likely I am to want beta. Because I would agree. I would agree. When I introduce yeah. a lot of world building, that's where you can get a lot of inconsistencies. Or even sometimes it's not even an inconsistency, it's a case of you don't know that um, you haven't explained something well. And so there's maybe non-inconsistency. You just haven't given enough detail. And the thing is, beta is really helpful in making sure in that cycle, in making sure that you aren't contradicting yourself in your world building, that you haven't failed to appreciate the ripple effect of what this kind of world building would do to your universe. Um, when I finish subversive, it's going to be a big story when it's finally done. It's gonna, I'm definitely going to put that one through beta because it is a completely original world. And I really need that continuity check to make sure that I didn't like contradict myself, violate my own world building. Um, so, but, I might and now obviously all of the short stories I do that are under probably under five K, I don't think I would put those through beta, but it depends. I might feel like something just needed it and put it through. But a lot of times more my, often um I prefer an alpha read over a beta read. Yeah, because a lot of times an alpha read will catch your con your alpha reader, if they're good, should catch those kind of continuity errors. I mean, obviously, I do need a line editor. I mean, you know, um, but uh, everybody does. Um, but I think that I find more value in um, the alpha process than I do the beta process. I think they're both good, and a lot of people um, really, really need it. <laughs> And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying I don't need editing. I know I do. But I'm also saying that um, if I'm spending four months editing, I'm not writing. Yeah, exactly. I actually have, I don't mean it to be a fix, but I have like a heap of stuff that needs editing that I've like banked, you know, I've worked on rough draft. Um um, and I haven't been in the mood to edit, so it's just sitting there <laughs> for me to I get around. I do to wonder if editing. half the reason I haven't finished Small Magic, which I'm really literally only like one Battle of the Five Armies away from finishing, is because I don't want to do the beta. <laughs> yeah, could be. I mean, I have one chapter left on the first book in the Aaliyah Motiverse, and I was like, Ugh. "That I'm in the same, it's the same boat. It's like, well, if I finish writing it, I'm going to have to edit it. <laughs> and if I edit it, I have to get it beta. 
And that's what I probably would at least, if one or the other, I would get somebody to read it um, because time travel, <laughs> time travel, time travel. There's so many ripples when you do time travel that it's like, did I count for everything? I don't know. Yeah, you need a consequences. Check, 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 check. Yeah. So I think now I am, um, one of the things I'm, I'm editing is the next story in the um, the, the Ethan Moore, Tony story series, the For You verse. Um, I, I probably will always get that series baited. Um, I have a friend who wants to try beta reading now. I, what I mostly need from a beta is people to catch my typos. Because if I've had a nice long break from something and I go back and do a, a good a good edit on it, I'm going to guess that it's clean. Um, if I haven't had a break from it, I won't see my own problems. But if I've had a break but from But you also story, are a pretty clean writer anyway. I mean, I think that you mostly have... Um, Issue. What's that? Parenthetical phrases? No, that's not it. Yeah. It is a yeah. So I think for the most part, you're actually a really clean writer. Um, and a lot of the mistakes that you that you do make in your um in your narrative, the average reader wouldn't notice anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like the most most of my mistakes that I catch later are dropping articles or sometimes conjunctions too. Like I just drop the word. Well, your articles are one of the things your brain will easily supply to you. So sometimes, even in the edit, I don't notice it. Sometimes I don't notice it until I read it like three years later. I'm like, <sighs> oh, shit. there's supposed to be a Z there. Um, yep, there's supposed <laughs> to be a Z there. I didn't see it. My editor, my beta didn't see it. It was like, okay. I had a story that Because I your brain supplied it. Because right. your reader probably had noticed it. Because your reader's been nope. braining, supplying so I tend to drop words, especially, and the more faster I'm writing, the more words I drop. It's, it's a thing. Um, that last chapter I wrote of Sentry, um, I, 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 if, if people told me that 20% of the words are missing, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, wrote, I posted three chapters at once. What I decided to do was just write as much as I could up to the posting deadline. And then just wherever I was, when. But I was nearing the post, but I still, I was like halfway through. The first two chapters probably had less problems. But that last chapter was probably written 90 minutes. And I'm, I guess it's probably five or 6,000 words. Um, I'm surprised my keyboard still works. <laughs> because I was flying through that. I'm not even sure it made sense. But I was just like, I want to post try to get to the end of the chapter before the time, the deadline uh, before midnight. And yeah. And I, I didn't banged it out, but bang confusions. I mean, I didn't notice anything completely out of the way, you know? Yeah. But when I finally get around to editing that, I'm going to see those problems because I'm not going to try to edit it right away. I'm going to give myself a break from it. If I do it right away, I, I don't see it. But give myself a break, you know, I will then go in and um, look at it. And I see all my mistakes. So I'm not, I don't worry about finding the majority of my my mistakes. Um, and like I said, a lot of times the kind of typos I have, even that I miss, my betas don't catch either. I got something 5,000 words back, two different people, 
baited it at the same. They're baited at the same time. Um, in that five thousand words, between them, they found a total of six things, um, and it was a total of four actual mistakes that they, it, two, they two of the mistakes they both four mistakes they both caught. And it, it was the thing. It was like four actual mistakes. Um, but there are a couple things that they both caught. So like six things between the two betas that came back. And I was like, I'm scratching my head, right? No. <laughs> I was like, this was, it was a high action chapter. It was like the most interesting part of the story, I think. I'm like, no, there's no way. I, I, I don't write that clean. I write clean, but I don't write that clean. So I gave it like two or three days and went back in and edited it again. Did another edit myself. And I found all these missing words. <laughs> And the thing is, I know that their brains just filled those words in. That's why I didn't see them. So it's a thing. Um, but that's the thing I do the most is I drop words. And the thing is, I am at the point in my life where I'm okay with posting things with words missing. <laughs> if I don't, if I don't, I don't like it. I mean, my perfectionism's run amok most of my life. But I'm tired of having this, you know, cycle of in my first fandom incarnation I would guess I'd probably written you know somewhere between one and two million words um I know it was over a million I don't know that I ever got quite close to two million but it was this long everything was this process and it was so long and drawn out and sometimes I was putting up posting something that I had done my edit on like six months prior. And it's like, I don't even remember the story about time I got around to posting it. <laughs> it's like, what did I write? I don't know. And it just so feels like I've been in us. this. <laughs> yeah. It's just like all this, this, this cycle of writing backing up. Like I have all this writing that I could be finishing and, and, you know, posting and moving on to something new, except that there's this bottleneck called editing and beta. Now I'm not going to stop editing, but Beta is is a big bottleneck, especially if you're long, you know, if you write long stuff. It's certainly a lot easier to give a beta ten thousand words or fifteen thousand words because it's not a huge chunk that they have to figure, you know, parse out into their life. They just, you know, do it in a day or two and turn around and send it back to you. And that's really easy to have then a lot of that a lot more. It gives you that you can pass, you know, post it quicker because you've had the sanity check on it and. It's, it's a layer, just a layer that makes you feel confident about it. But some of these longer works, it's like i got to edit it, and then i got to beta it, and then, oh, my head hurts, and I just don't want to do it. I just feel like this bottleneck is driving me crazy, which is why I've been considering, you know, not betaing more and more works. Well, I posted the first five chapters of Dark Rule, and um... – I thought maybe I would be like a little, you know, fucked up about it, but I'm not. I'm cool. I'm fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I post 181K without a fucking beta. Me and Grammarly got along fine. Grammarly found Grammarly 482 bro. mistakes in the first 25K. I'm not okay with that, but most of them were commas. <laughs> Grammarly's yelling at you about commas. Commas are such a – I have to give the comma advisory again. 
if you don't know for sure that a comma goes there, don't put one in. Some writers would be better with not a single comma in their document. I kid you not. Missing yeah. comma is less of a problem than a misplaced comma. Because commas should be invisible. They're informing you things that you just are subcon- you, you just kind of almost subconsciously absorb what that comma is trying to tell you when it's placed correctly. When it's placed incorrectly, your brain will stutter <laughs> because you don't understand what it's trying to tell you. So if you struggle with commas, and I've said this at least half a dozen times, if you struggle with commas, if you are not absolutely sure where a comma goes, do not put it in. I find that most of the time Grammarly is pretty good about where commas should go, but I think it stumbles sometimes on where commas shouldn't go. So if you put a comma in, Grammarly might overlook your mistake. Right. So one of the things any comments Gram- in and listen to Grammarly. <laughs> yeah, that is actually a much better solution is don't put any com- you need although I will say you need to get your dialogue mechanics right. Right. If you cannot figure out how to punctuate around um, quotation marks you, you're not ready to be posting anything. You gotta, you gotta get that shit right, okay? So other than the comma that you used to, in front of the quotation mark before saying he said, just forget the rest and let Grammarly help you. Um, but like one of the things, like as an example of a, oh, I have an alarm going off. One of the things that you'll get um, that Grammarly struggles with is it will tell you to put in commas with some kind, certain kinds of interjections um, or introductory phrases where it's telling you to put them in the wrong place. And I'll give you an example. Um, the phrase, of course not. There's no punctuation in that phrase. Does this bother you? Question mark. Of course not. Many punctuation things look at of course as an introductory phrase. Comma. Comma. Right. Yeah. But of course comma not makes no sense. So that's, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. But this, this is why you're better off with no commas than – but Grammarly sometimes with introductory phrases like that will help you put commas in the wrong place. Especially if you've got a long introductory phrase, it will think the comma is, belongs earlier than it belongs. So um, there's really nothing that can be done about that. Sometimes Grammarly is going to advise Just you to pay put attention. in a bad comma. And don't yeah, read accept it. all of its advice. Read if it. I could if turn you off, hear, if um, you hear the pause, don't put it in. I do wish that Grammarly was a little more um, trainable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because words do have options that Grammarly doesn't when it comes to grammar, you know. Um, and if you say you want to ignore something for the rest of the document, Word will do it. <laughs> Grammarly, not so much. <laughs> I mean, Grammarly has some options that are helpful, like, um, you know, where you um, can tell what kind of writing you're doing. 
And it looks at grammar, the gra- different grammar rules. Like you're not going to, if you tell it you're writing, like doing a technical manual publication or something like that, you're not going to get that hit on the unclear antecedent. Um, because the antecedents are an issue when you're talking about certain kinds of writing. So it, it does look at, I mean, I, I would prefer to, but the thing is I would return, prefer to turn that rule off. But you can't. Yeah, I would do. Yeah. So it does Most of the time, some... my antecedent is perfectly clear. Yes. But the thing is, for the people whose antecedent isn't clear, that's a good heads up. And when Grammarly tells you that, go read the sentence. Make sure it's clear who's being discussed. Um, I would say that there are lots of grammar checkers out there, and I've investigated a lot of them. Um, I do think that Grammarly is the best of the lot, um, followed very closely by the newest version of Word. Um, it's Words come a long way. It really has. They have improved Word tremendously. Because it used to be you could not rely on words grammar checker. It was like, no, 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 no. It would tell you crazy stuff. The breathe breath thing. Um, I'm pretty sure word is the reason why so many people don't know how to use those two words correctly. I would agree. Because word was, words grammar checker for like a decade or 15 years was telling people to, to do it wrong, telling it backward. Every time you use breath, it would want you to correct it to breathe. And I was like, no. I know the difference between nouns and verbs, you fucking idiots. So um, also so now for a very long time, word, if you misspelled in um if you misspelled inconvenient, um, word would try to t- t- tell you to use incontinent. <laughs> Which yes mm-hmm. is inconvenient, but not 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 that way. <laughs> that is inconvenient. It's very inconvenient, but it's not really what we need. Words, but yeah. So they fixed that, I think, because I haven't encountered it in a very long time. But the first time I encountered it, I laughed my ass off. But word still tries to get me to um, correct creepy to creepy. If, if if I put Colin Creepy in a story, it's going to be Colin Creepy if Word has anything to say about it. It's like, no word, no. <laughs> Colin Creepy. You can turn the red squiggles off, Arlena. Um, I do. I don't leave that stuff turned on when I'm writing because I find it very distracting. Yeah, just run it later. I... I... I turn. I don't. I don't need that that distraction when I'm trying to get something done. Granted, he is a creepy stalker, but his name is Creepy, not Creepy. <laughs> you creepy stalker. Um, <laughs> so the, the two beta or not to beta thing. Honestly, for me, it is a. It is a situation by situation kind of thing. It's like these days, it's, it used to be I always did it, but I am just, I feel, oh, I'm just so burned out on the whole cycle. Um, 
I'd rather be writing than have that in there. And also the, the opinion thing right now, I'm also just not prepared to, to take other people's opinions on board. And I, if I know I'm in that headspace, I'm not going to put my work out there because there's like this implicit thing with, with people, the people that I work with. And, and, you know, it's like if I'm giving them to read, I'm going to take their opinion and, and consider it. Um, but like, right, the mood I've been in lately, it's like I don't even want to hear it, much less consider it. Nope. <laughs> I'm not in a like, play. No, this is not that day. <laughs> And today is not that day. That's right. Today <laughs> is not that day. Yeah, if you ever see Colin Creepy in one of my stories, it was not on purpose. It was word got the best of me. <laughs> word had its wicked way with you. And word won. But, um, no, I mean, you know, like I said, I do find the beta process valuable, and I'm not telling you um, to skip beta. I'm not telling you to skip alpha. If you want to do these things, if you enjoy doing these things, Lady Holder, for some reason, really enjoys doing beta. I do beta. I will beta her stuff. I will beta Jilly's stuff. As has never asked me, but I will beta her stuff, her crack stuff. Um, in fact, I want to put it out there right now. I would like to beta the Vegetable Ninja story. <laughs> Hint. I call dibs. I call dibs. But, no, I mean, but seriously, um, I don't enjoy it. I mean, I do it um, because I believe in um, giving back to others as they give to me. And so I um, – and I enjoy reading the work, and I especially enjoy getting it before anybody else does. I really like knowing that I'm reading something you guys desperately want to read, but you can't read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I also really enjoy the fact that um, I'm going to get to read the ending of Century before you guys. <laughs> True right? facts. that I enjoy. It is my payment for the beta process. So, there you go. Um, but, uh, it is what it is. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, uh, beta and alpha have a, a place in a writer's life. And I think that um, they're more valuable um, if you're trying to sell original work than they are in fandom. Um, and I think that um, I'm just not prepared currently to dedicate um, months upon months on um, a few missing words and some uh, commas. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't, I say it's not this, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but it's fan fiction. It's not like you're trying to. It, it is it is your hobby. It is not like you're trying to um, get it ready to meet a publisher that you're really hoping is going to buy it. You know, um, that is it's a completely different mindset, right? 
is pouring over something and trying to get it exactly right so you can submit it and hope that it's exactly what they want. It's a different, you know, and to put, but I swear, I, sometimes I put more work into, um, like, getting a piece of fan fiction ready, which is, and I don't, I'm not trying to trivialize that because I don't have a pro. I have perfectionist tendencies, but I've seen less work go into getting original fiction done than I've put into some of my work. Um, but you know what, though, you don't owe your fan fiction readers perfection, and no. um, I think that a lot of um, the beta process comes down to reader entitlement because I didn't get a beta until several readers told me I needed one. I didn't know Which what is crazy was. because I was like, your your, um, your rough draft is your rough draft is actually really clean. I can't believe you've ever. I don't believe you posted the rough draft, which meant that it was edited. Right. I mean, you know, but still, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, uh, tell me what a beta is, and I'll get one. <laughs> well, what? And the thing I don't, the thing I don't get about that is that. They're they're complaining. The thing is, if if basically if a story has any typos in it, somebody somebody will inevitably tell you that you need a beta reader. Uh, if we're talking about a few typos, what beta reader do you think is going to help improve on that? I mean, really? It's just kind of mind-boggling um, because no, nobody needs. I understand the desire to read stuff that doesn't have a isn't riddled with typos, but believe me, I understand. Um, suck it up, darling. But if Just it, suck it up. If that's if that's destroying your enjoyment, I don't. You need to stick with works that are coming out of big publishers, and that's the truth. Because you certainly don't want to be reading stuff that's self-published. If that's your if that's your knee-jerk reaction is that you can't deal with a few typos. Do not read self-published works because the majority of them have these kinds of problems. Somebody's going to hate on me for that whole. Um, somebody actually did write me that said that I, they they were perplexed about the way the how much I disliked self self-publishing. Um, I dislike it because it's so often bad. The books that I've read. There, well, I've seen books that are a hot mess. There is no. There are some people who do a great job with it. They get the editors, or they get a friend who's a, who's really good line edit wise. But I think it's I think it's most of it that I've read. It, it doesn't meet the standard that I expect of for something I'm paying for. And so I do kind of hate on it. Yeah. I mean, there's. Some I won't books out buy there that I would... an obviously self-published work. If I can tell it's self-published, I won't buy it. And if it's on Amazon and the publisher doesn't look familiar, I'll go Google the publisher. Like, oh, okay, it's the author pretending to be a publisher, and um, I make no apologies for that. Uh, I, no. you know what, this is going to be ugly, but I'm going to say it because honesty is my gift to you, bitches. Um, self-publishing is kind of like buying a hooker. It's perfectly okay to pay for sex if you can't get it for free. It's perfectly okay to have your book published yourself if you can't get a publisher to do it for you, but don't expect me to read it. 
funny analogy. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I know that there are there's actually like there's like like a YouTube channel about about you know how to do really good self publishing. There are people who are really trying to build a community around self published authors and trying to help you know help them with how to have the standards for editing and getting good art and to try and I, and I get what they're trying to do and you know that good you, you do but the thing is my view about self publishing has nothing to do with me as a writer my view about self publishing is strictly my view as a reader it's shit the stuff that i have read <laughs> self published was not worth the money i paid for it and the thing is when i read something that i'm getting for free that has problems i suck it up but for me, when I go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, not Barnes and Noble, not a ton of self-published stuff on Barnes and Noble, I don't think. But when I go, Amazon is like a self-publishing apocalypse, um, and they push the stuff that's published through their platform. It, their search engines bring it. You know, it, it's just it's embedded in their programming that this this self-published crap is going to be in your face. And when I pay for something, whether it's you know, especially because some of these self-published books are not cheap because Amazon actually has some weird stuff with their pricing structure where even if the story's short, selling it for 99 cents is not a good idea. So it's like you right, have to hit the minimum price point. Amazon takes 70% off the top. But yeah, I think you have to sell it for like $1.99 or two ninety nine to reverse that number mm-hmm. to 70 30 mm-hmm. in favor of the author. So you see a lot mm-hmm. of stories that are super short. Like that are probably should be selling for ninety nine cents, being sold for two ninety nine or three ninety nine. And I understand why the author's doing it, but but when I'm gonna say if I'm gonna pay three ninety nine or two ninety nine for a short story, like five thousand words, to me there's like an implicit contract that there's if I'm paying for something, I'm it's it, it's the con the, this understood contract like that I have when I buy a book from Penguin or you know that it is it is edited. That it is doesn't have you know problems with um, layout that it's readable, and I have not had that experience with self-published works. I have not had that readability experience, and when I pay for something, I expect to get the product quality that I'm paying for, and the product that I'm paying for when I buy a book is something quality that is quality. I may not like the subject matter. But I expect the book to have certain quality standards, and self-publishing has no gate. It has no standards. It is just – it's the Wild West out there. And so I don't like it. I don't like it as a reader. And I, I can't imagine – the only way I could think of that if I would participate in it as an, as an author is if I was in a position where I was already published with a publisher and, like, the whole situation was, like, lucid where they went – out of business and they gave the authors their books back all their rights and their right. edited copies and everything. I might then self publish those books right back on, you know, put them back up without going through another publisher. Um, I, that's the only circumstance I could think of that I would choose self publishing because I just, it bothers me. It bothers me about the reader experience. And so I wouldn't do that to somebody else. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. If it bothers you that I don't like self-publishing, I don't care. Suck it up, Buttercup. I don't like it. 
I'm sure that there are some really good self-published works out there. I haven't run across them. And I had somebody recommend a really great one to me at one point. It was not great. It was not great. (laughs) And if this was the example, if this is the bar of a great self-published work, this is not good. (laughs) You're sad. Have this terrible... um, and I, like I already said, it's like buying a hooker. Um, I, I look at a self-published work and I think to myself, oh, well, they couldn't get published. Now, there's every indication that there are self-published writers out there who never tried to get published with a publisher, who never went through that process, who never earned their space on the bookshelf. Um, and Okay. You do you, but don't expect me to buy it. I I just, I can't. I I had this lady in my writing group who um, wrote a novel, and she spent five years trying to get it published. And um, we all told her that there were problems in it and there were issues in it. Um, And um, she kept ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. And she got, I don't know, probably a hundred rejection letters. And she decided to self-publish it. And she puts it on Amazon. And every single review she got, and she didn't get many, all of them mentioned the same thing, the same problem, the same issue that we did that we did in the writing group. And she was, of course, furious. And she quit the group um, because she kept waiting for one of us to tell her. And she said it. I keep waiting for one of you to tell me I told you so. So I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. Okay. I told you so. <laughs> okay, it out of the way. <laughs> and the thing is, is and this is also this is something to keep in mind. Um, as a writer, uh, you often only have one chance to make an impression with a reader. Um, and if you come out of the gate with something badly self-published, um, you've tainted that name you've you've published under. Um, with anybody who reads it. Um, I uh, knew a writer who her first book, um, she didn't know it, but the publisher, this is terrible. um, The publisher, uh, it was a independent online publisher, um, which obviously I don't have a problem with because I'm published with one. Um, but this publisher is no longer in business. But what they did was is they took a white model and made them black for the cover. Because I guess they How couldn't find the, the artist. The art, well, they darkened the skin. Um, and so basically it was blackface. Um, and, the other, and the author didn't know. But a reader figured it out because that same cover model had been used on a different book. Um, And um, she became associated with this blackface cover and um, she had to ditch the pen name. I was like, yeah, that's when you got to get to a whole new pen name because you just can't. That's just, ugh. That's terrible. I mean, it's not like, I mean, yeah, you, you Photoshop, I mean, you can take the same model and, like, 
I seem like you turn them into a vampire, right? Like you wash out their skin or, you know, right. you give them a, a, health, a health, take a, someone who's very fair and you give them a healthy can. That's not the same thing as, as blackface. Yeah, there's a big no, difference. No, that's really, um, that's that's just hey, really man. uncool. Um, as, yeah. This publisher you, you, also um, had a author who was in the U.K., um, and they wrote a book set in the American South, and um, I don't know if they knew, um, but their cover art had the Confederate flag on it, and the same publisher as the blackface cover, um, and this was about six months before they closed. And I think that was pretty much the nail in their coffin that they published a romance novel um, <laughs> with an interracial couple <laughs> that had a Confederate flag on the cover. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, it, it, it's not funny, but it is it is a level of horrifically funny. But, yeah, I mean, so. If you write and you want to be published, that's and it's been like not working. Years, so. Yeah, but still. But it, it, if you want, if that's what you want, you have to listen to what people tell you when they tell you why it isn't happening. You have to pay attention. You just can't say, oh, well, you just don't get me. Well, like, literally, apparently nobody gets you. Um, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of people who haven't wanted to hear what they haven't wanted to take criticism on board. I mean, I actually have, um, there used to be, um, it, it's gone now. There was a, a writer's forum. Um, I was on this forum one day. Somebody said that, that they were doing self-publishing because they didn't want to be edited, that it was just too difficult for them and, and they weren't prepared to like go through that process. So they were going to self-publish instead. I mean, that is like a terrible reason to self-publish. So some people, some people may say that that's the best reason to do it, but it is a terrible reason to be self-published. Because if you can't handle being edited, how are you going to handle readers telling you how shitty your work they is? Suck. Because they will on Amazon. Yeah, readers are hard. Because they will, and they'll bash the fuck out of you on Goodreads. I mean, there's like somebody bash the fuck out of me on Goodreads on my fan fiction. I don't read Goodreads. I Goodreads is um, a reader space, um, and that's yeah. how I treat it. And I approach it um, as an author, and therefore, um, even though I am a reader as well, I don't go on Goodreads because it's a reader space. And someone was talking about how fan fiction got onto Goodreads, and all these fan fiction reader, writers lost their minds. And someone sent me a note saying some reader had put my fan fiction on Goodreads and to, to gave me a link on how I could protest this and get it taken down. So I'm like, I don't care. That's a reader space. This reader put this up there because she liked my work so much she wanted to rate it on Goodreads. Good for good. You, you do you, honey. I don't care. I don't know why anybody cared. I mean, <laughs> I don't know I, why anybody I, cared. I was, it isn't like I it's a secret it, that I write fan fiction. <laughs> I think it took me. It took me back the first time because I didn't know that I had a, somebody had put a bunch of my works on Goodreads. Um, 
So, and actually, I found out about it because somebody left a comment on a story that it was better than the, what this thing on Goodreads had led them to believe it was going to be. I was like, what? Um, what? What do you mean on Goodreads? And so that, I just went and Googled my name. I was like, a whole bunch of my stories are there. And like, I was like, oh, I don't even want to know. Why? I don't even know why somebody would put my story on Goodreads just to give it three stars. That's just terrible. <laughs> I mean, so that's all I saw. Well, somebody was, else I might any... have put it on there, and then somebody else gave it three stars. But also, yeah, like you, thought... it's, it's five stars. <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't Maybe. written anything that's three stars. What's the matter with you, assholes? Anyway, uh, but I, thought, I was like, "What?" I, and I was my first reaction. I don't want my stuff on this space. But then I, and you and I actually talked about it, and I went, "Oh, I'm just not going to pay any attention to it. I'm just going to ignore it." Um, and I decided to just leave it alone because it, it did. It was there. Emergence was up for a while. It was the first thing on Goodreads. Somebody had mentioned this to me that it had been there and taken down. Um, it wasn't taken down at my behest, so I don't know how it got taken down. Um, but then it and a bunch of other stuff came came was was up there, and I just was like, I just, I, but I don't like Goodreads anyway. Honestly, I don't like it. Um, it seems like there's a lot of drama on Goodreads, um, and it seems like every time there's some big blow up in the in the you know, and like especially in the male male romance male male you know publishing world. That there's some Goodreads thread that's hundreds of comments long where people are saying awful things. And it's like, why is all this stuff erupting on Goodreads? I don't Maybe it's because it's just the place people can go and talk about this stuff. But it feels like it's a, a um, like a like a like drama festers and brews. And then there was that whole issue recently with somebody was basically given a little bit too much power, and they went in and they didn't like the curated list people had come up with, I think for young adult stuff, or maybe it was new adult, I don't remember. And they, um, they obliterated the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, they wiped it out. A librarian went in and wiped out these lists, just wiped out everybody's work. Like, apparently it was like months and months and months of people's work doing these curated lists. And um, they just, this librarian went in and wiped it all out. And um, I just, the, the, the People, people in the reader community rely on these things. They rely on these recommendations. And um, when I'm, and, and I admit, when I'm when I'm in a place where I'm looking for a specific type of thing, I do maybe not on Goodreads, but I do go try and find recommendation lists from people. So people rely on that kind of stuff. And that people's hard work was wiped out by somebody who thought she knew the genre better, and that her list should be the one that everybody got to read. That's just ugly ass behavior. And apparently this person had done stuff like this multiple times and Goodreads kept giving this person power. And I just, I don't even want to know what's going on behind the scenes at Goodreads if that kind of shit happens. So um, it just, every time I have an interaction over there, it just feels like it's negative. So I just, I don't have really good feelings about Goodreads, even though I don't really participate in stuff over there. Um, But the point of the good that came up because People will, if you just can't handle being edited, you're not ready to be published, and that's, that's the truth. If you're not ready to hear what's wrong with your writing, you need to keep it to yourself or share it with a couple of friends or put it on AO3. There's a space for original. But the thing is, the, the thing is people are not going to be kind because they're not in general. People are not – that's not their default state apparently. And when they – especially if they've paid for your work and it has problems – 
it's like reading a bad review of the McDonald's that gave you food poisoning, right? People feel entitled to do that, and they are because <laughs> they have paid because they have paid for your product, and it wasn't what it was represented to be, which is a professionally published book. It is a hot mess, and they paid for your hot mess, and they don't appreciate it, and so they're going to tell you. And if you think you In like detail. being edited. You really don't want to hear the angry comments because an editor is not going to bash your work. They're going to tell you to put in some fucking commas and work on your pacing. They're not going to bash your work. But a, an unhappy reader will. I think when I read, when I hear people, somebody say or read somebody saying that they that they are going to self-publish because they can't handle being edited, I just am like, oh my god. <laughs> Now I'm a reader who won't say anything. I'm just never gonna. I'm I'm gonna remember your your ass, and I'm never gonna read anything by you again. Um, and I'm gonna tell my friends not to buy your book. I'm not gonna put it on Amazon <laughs> where you can see it. I'm not I'm not gonna traumatize you in that way. But I'm gonna be sure my friends know that this is absolute crap and they shouldn't buy it. Although I have done the reviews before where it's like nobody's mentioning the consent issues in a story or something like that. And so I'll put a review going, hello. <laughs> you know, it, it hasn't, nobody's you mentioning know, it. They're but so like, did, did you not even talk about this? This is a big rape fest. you talk about it. Story, just FYI. I and I don't I don't like get angry, but it's just kind of I will leave informative reviews for other readers because the reviews are not for the author; they're for other readers, right? And bad reviews are advising people to stay away. Um, but so I will if if there's like really troubling content in a story that hasn't been disclosed in any way, I will leave a review that just points out what the, you know somebody who is sensitive to you know rape or um, child abuse or something like that and you where this kind of content is in there. But in general, I don't leave negative reviews because I just don't want to do that to anybody. I don't, I don't, cause I know authors, they, it's almost like you can't help yourself, right? It's like, you're going to go look. <laughs> what are people saying? I really, um, <laughs> I did get really curious about some reviews for Fall for You. So I went on Amazon and I looked because I'd gotten an email from some promotion company because I'd gotten a certain number of um, uh, reviews and they were congratulating me on it. And then there was some asshole um, who obviously listened to my podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast and buying my book. I appreciate the money. Um, And um, who quoted me in their review to criticize my action scenes. And I was like, this is what I get for telling people on my podcast that I don't write good action. <laughs> yeah. But the worst one was the lady who was pissed off. I assume it was the lady who was pissed off because my story did not meet her heteronormative um, values. In that um, Riley should have been rescued by um, Marcus. Um, because he was the heroine, obviously. <laughs> he was the damsel in distress, and he needed to be rescued. How dare I not do that? <laughs> How dare you? But even if, you know, the thing is, even if Riley was female, even if he'd written, uh, if your story was that, why does Riley need to be rescued? <laughs> right. Regardless of the fact gender? 
Get with the times, ladies. It was really annoying. Your damsels can be in distress and not be needing rescuing. They can get their own selves out. I don't like that whole damsel in distress thing. I don't I don't dig it. No. I mean, I have no problem with people being in peril. I mean, a character being in peril is probably a favorite trope of mine. Um, but, like, when Tony's in peril in my stories, more often than not, he gets himself out. I can't say that he'll always get himself out because sometimes that wouldn't serve my plot. But usually he at least gets himself 75% of the way there. Because, you know, he's not incompetent. I mean, unless he's completely unconscious. Complete unconsciousness. I will accept that. He's completely unconscious. Somebody else will rescue him. <laughs> but if he's conscious, I expect him to be trying to fix his own situation. Right? I don't know. It is, I just I wanted to, like, respond to the review and um, say, well, I'm sorry that my romance, did, my gay romance didn't meet your heteronormative value, um, your heteronormative expectations. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? No, I mean, I don't get it. But, uh, okay. So I start reading them after that. I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't. I can't. So for all those of you who say really nice things about me on Amazon, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I probably have read more of Kira's reviews than Kira has because one day I was just in the mood to see if I could figure out who I should be pissed off at. Um, yeah, I didn't figure it out. But, you know. <laughs> I... I Honestly, it was it was. But I was actually glad to read Kira's because it. I was rad, glad to read Kira's reviews because people's lack of boundaries and some of the things they said. We talked about some other podcasts I know, but it's it, it why I I feel like I learned an object lesson through her, which was not to do original fiction on Rough Trade, because Word. people yes. are assholes, you know. And the comments about. You know, I'd read most of this on Rough Trade. I don't know why I had to pay for this or that it was exactly the same. Um, even bringing up Rough Trade in a, in a review like that was a dick move. Um, and commenting that you gotten to read most of it for free, that's a dick move. Um, and, if you, and if you're listening to this podcast, you know, people who left on those reviews, and you're feeling judged, yeah, I'm judging you. I'm judging the fuck out of you for saying yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, we're judging you too. Because that's, that's getting into Kira's professional space. That's fucking with her money to leave comments like that that have nothing to do with the book. And it's just, I was like, wow, but, I would never. Instance, if my publisher didn't know the history of that story, if she had not known that I had published it on Rough Trade, and she did know because I told her, but if she didn't know, it could have pissed her off enough that she dumped my work entirely Yeah, to see those kinds of reviews. On the material. So be careful when all, you're commenting on people's work that way, because um, you, um, you are fucking with their money. Yeah. And that, it's, it really, that really upset me to see those kinds of comments, but I was glad I did see them because I'm like, oh, okay, well, now I know not to do an original work on Rough Trade because well, I, never I don't want. I don't want well, to. Well, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I would never do an original work on Rough Trade that I planned on selling. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, good distinction. 
But it's just it, there's something so um, I would yeah the there were, and there are, but there are a lot of nice reviews for Kira Story. So that was um, including my mother who not only reviewed it but <laughs> I think she 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 re-reviewed it later. Um, <laughs> so why you said that my mother? <laughs> Well, she was. I'm sitting there reading reviews. I'm looking at reviews. That's my mother. <laughs> strange, the strange connection, right? It's like that's my mom. And so I'm looking at reviews. I'm like, do I know who that is? Look at the name. Like, oh, that's my mother. <laughs> I bought the ebook several times too, um, but I gave it away. I was sending it as gifts to people. And I did buy the book book, the the paperback when it, when she went and put on demand to give to my mom. Ah. Well, I swear I must read Thanks. that book once a month. <laughs> I, I think she may be that book's biggest fan. <laughs> well, I need to write her a sequel. <laughs> I want to do one for Lawrence, my my deputy that got shot. Um and um, I'm going to pair him with um, with Gabriel. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the brothers. I had a crush on him. The brothers' story. Jared. Yeah. 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 I had a terrible crush on Jared. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> that I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I want that one. I want one. <laughs> That's the werewolf I want. <laughs> can can, I, can we do werewolf on demand? Is it a print on demand? Just send him over. <laughs> 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 3D print know, me a Jared. Um, but I don't, uh, like I, I was talking about before, I don't recommend people write original fiction on Rough Trade if they plan on selling it because um, it's just, there was just some rude shit in, involved in that, and um, it was very disrespectful. Um, the fact of the matter is, is I put a lot of time and effort into running Rough Trade and um, providing um, you guys with free entertainment, and it was really like getting slapped in the face to have this person on Amazon bitching about um, reading it for free and having to pay for it. That was... <clears throat> And then lying about it and saying that it was the same as what they read on Rough Trade when it wasn't. They they, they said that it like it was like it had been ported off Rough, Rough Trade into publication, and like it hadn't been edited. And um, I didn't even finish the story on Rough Trade. It was like, I think I finished. I think I stopped at like thirty k, and the book is fifty. I kind of stalled out writing it. And so not only they were over there talking about rough trade, but they were lying too. And it was just like, it, yeah, it was it, it was like getting slapped in the face. And um, so no, I don't recommend um, original works on rough trade anymore. And I certainly won't ever structure another challenge that way to encourage it. I think we only had, well, I guess we had two char- we had two challenges that had to be fan fiction. But general people can write yeah. original if they want. 
but most choose not to. For, and I think it's a good thing. Call if you plan to sell it, you know, some some publishers might consider that you know your first publication, and so they would that might actually right. even if they like your book, that might get in your way. Oh, it was just um, yeah, fucker. <laughs> of all of this is that if you are writing and you want to post and you didn't beta you have not committed some grave fandom sin there are people who will tell you that you have but you haven't (laughs) so just ignore that you should do what you want, if you feel like you need a beta and that part of the process isn't slowing you down, you should have a beta. You should do that. You should do what makes you feel good about your writing. Um, maybe you really are more person who needs the alpha reader. Maybe you have a hard time understanding the ripple effect of things or you don't spot ripple effect and consequences. Or maybe you need a good alpha reader because you're working on um, some of your basic structural issues, like you're trying to figure out pacing and, and you need that kind of feedback, then you should get that kind of feedback. But if you just want to be done with it and you want to move on to the next thing and not, at, you know, be done with it. Post it and move on. You don't have to do beta. You don't have to do anything, except for on your fucking spell checker. This is a rule of life, folks. Spell check. <laughs> spell check everything, even email, emails. If you, if a word does not, ex- and the thing is, I always get this excuse from people about, well, spell check won't help when you use, it was just the wrong word. I'm like, oh, shut up. I'm talking about words that don't exist in any language. If you Google it, you get nothing. <laughs> and honestly, spell check and Grammarly both will now oftentimes ask you, did you mean to use this word? If you have yeah, used the wrong version of the word. So that's not an excuse anymore. Not that it ever was, but <laughs> that, that's beside the point. So, yes, word confusion is an issue that a spell check is not going to help you with. I get it. I cannot tell you how many times I spelled ordinance with an I when I was talking about um, explosives. In my one's regulation time. and one's ammunition. Yeah. Right. Ordinance with an I is a regulation. Ordinance with no I is munitions. I've misspelled it multiple times. There is nothing that is going to help with that. Most betas don't see it because it's an I. It, it's practically not even there. <laughs> so, yes, I get it. We use the wrong word and a lot of things won't catch it. Fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when I read works that have words that just don't exist. Um, it tells me they didn't run spell check, and that's infuriating. And I will nope out of something which doesn't run spell check. Because if you're, that, if you're so lazy that you can't run a spell check, then I'm too I lazy know, to read your work. I'm too precious to read your work. That's the issue. Um, 
know I know that some people have to write in apps that don't have a built-in spell check. I get that that's a pain in the ass, but there are all kinds of free shit online that will let you spell check your work when you're done writing in your app that doesn't have a spell checker. So there really is no excuse. Spell check your shit. That's the rule. Anything else? If you don't want to run a grammar checker, don't. I think it would benefit you, but don't do it. If you just want to write and run spell check, then write and run spell check. There, this whole thing, this whole reader thing, where readers are basically telling us, you know, this is how, this is what you have to do. And and the thing is, authors are bought into it. They're bought into this dynamic of, um, you have to make your readers happy. Why? What are, what are the readers doing for you exactly? I mean, everybody, the whole thing, we're talking about feedback, right? That's what, that's what this comes down to. And these authors are basically, other, other writers are telling you how to maximize your feedback and that you're going to get more feedback or more positive feedback, I guess, if you have less typos in your work. Which I have bullshit because if you've ever been on fanfiction.net, I saw once a hot mess on fanfiction.net that I could not read, and I only clicked on it because it had over a thousand comments. <laughs> I thought, well, this must be really good. Nope. <laughs> it was not. And no doubt some of those comments were bitching comments, people complaining. Um a lot of them aren't, you know, people, 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 if people want, somebody wants to read what you're writing, they're going to read it and maybe they'll bitch, maybe they won't. Um, and if they want to leave a comment, they will. And it has, there's nothing, I don't really believe that all of these things that people tell you to do to increase your feedback, right? I don't think it actually makes that much difference because people who are not inspired to leave comments are not going to leave a comment no matter what you do. And the people who enjoy your work, who are inclined to comment, are going to comment anyway. It's a very small margin of people who's, who, will, who will comment when, whether, whether or not positive. How about positive comments? So we're going to leave a positive comment. The deciding factor for them is whether or not you had a beta reader. <laughs> you know what, though? It's a very tiny group someone... of people. Right. If someone is inclined to bitch about something on your fic, they will search until they find something to bitch about. Whether it's you've used the wrong word here, or you skipped a word there, or suddenly your character's eyes are blue and they were green three pages earlier, they're going to find something to bitch about on your fic if they're inclined to bitch. And fuck them. Right. So you're maybe if you're jumping through hoops for four or five comments, is that worth the hoops you're jumping for? And it may not even be that many. It may be more like one or two. So like if you're gonna beta I did kill someone twice in um in uh what's it? Um Dark Blue Oil. No. No, 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 no. Can, um, that was on purpose. Synthetic. That was a Stargate fix. Synthetic. No. No, no, synthetic was right. the robot one. It was Revenant. Revenant, okay. I was like, I, was like I, I could actually see it in my head, but I couldn't come up with the word. Because I yeah. remember the comments you know, on Rough Trade where somebody pointed out that you had killed somebody twice. 
which we deleted. And I was like, well, fuck it. Let's not talk about Revenant. Let's not talk about it. But what I would say is um, don't do beta for any other reason than for your own benefit. Do beta because you're learning from it, because it's making your story better, because you like the way it's making your story work for you, because you feel more confident in your work. Do beta for you. Do not beta for your readers. Because their approval is transitory. As I know damn well you do read cynical porn. (laughs) I once got a cynical porn recommendation from you. I did change the name in um, in the Revenant, so I don't. If you go read it on Wild Hair, you won't see the same person die twice. Now, that was in my rough draft, which I'm allowed to do in my rough draft. I can make mistakes, <laughs> dude. You're the one that told me to read that story, that Stargate story with the tentacles that came out of the wall and molested John. And Rodney. No, it was Rodney. Well, if there's anybody in our group that's going to read tentacle porn, it's definitely going to be Az. (laughs) And aren't you the same one that gave me a link to the giant squid slash Hogwarts story? I do believe you were. I do believe you are the one that gave me the link to the giant squid molesting Hogwarts. <laughs> the giant squid and Hogwarts has come up several times, but I'm pretty sure Av did start that. <laughs> so don't go tell me you don't read cynical porn. Is it, was it, was, isn't she also the one who told us about the Harry and the giant squid story? <laughs> I think so. I don't remember if there's any actual porn in that one, but there's definitely tentacles. I didn't read it because, I don't know. Because she told us that um, Harry um, there, there, uh, she, 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 would she, go she to the lake one. and feed the babies that he, that he had with the giant squid. <laughs> His child support. <laughs> In the world, don't tell me you don't read tentacle porn. Tentacle porn in the world of crack is a completely different thing than tentacle porn. It's serious. Um, <laughs> we don't need these. You did te- you did tentacles. You well, you implied tentacles. No, you basically said it. You just didn't show it on screen. Who had tentacles? Oh, you mean the, the, the glowy Star Trek porn? story? Oh, no, no. Oh. in your Star Trek story. The genital tentacles, yes. The it genital was an tentacles, yes. Implied. Well, you said it. You just didn't show the actual sex. You Bones, just... Bones got freaking Bones had it. sex. Yeah. Bones, <laughs> Bones had sex with somebody who had genital tentacles. Yeah. To someone. So, 
<laughs> this is one of those things that needs to happen off screen. Yes. We don't we don't need to see the, the tentacles in action. Yeah, always off screen. Well, the tentacles might be their own threesome. I mean, you might not, you know, need a third person. There's the two of you and the tentacles. It's a separate presence in bed. The, the, the tentacles are sapient. We don't want sapient tentacles. That'd be interesting. Be sort of like some sort of version of the trail or something, except when you merge with this being, it takes over your genitals. <laughs> Oh God! You went too far. How did you get here? As I don't know. (laughs) Viscous Uh, Edie, nice, nice tie-in to earlier in the evening. You guys have read enough. You guys have read enough tentacle porn to understand the tropes. I'm, I'm troubled. We're gonna have to talk later. (laughs) <laughs> oh y'all are grounded. I did, I did read a story I did read I didn't read the story I read the summary and I shared it with you guys actually uh the story would be great I don't know I didn't click on it because I'm not into tentacle porn but um Steve is this, it's an MCU story where Steve is um he's been captured by Hydra but he's a tentacle alien he's a ten, some sort of tentacle beast right and he's not being cooperative. So they send Bucky in as the Winter Soldier with a bullwhip to, and this is in the summary, to get him to cooperate. And Steve thinks that this is flirting <laughs> because Bucky comes <laughs> in with this big black, this big black thing, and he's like, ooh, is that for me? <laughs> and the summary of the thing, right? And I was like, that nope. is funny as fuck, but I can't click on it because tentacle porn. <laughs> It it <laughs> just no. Um, I actually, gonna see if I can find it so I can. Because um, I mean, why not? You know, if I'm gonna get, tell you guys what that summary was, I might as well get it right, right? I gave myself a new skin on Ao3 to make things bigger. I made all the text like 50% bigger, but it made all the text 50% bigger, not just the reading text. So, like, it's every time I go to Ao3, it's like a little bit shocking. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Me. Well, there, there's that. No, I can't believe I'm. I, AO3 probably does track the tags I searched for. One of the things about my um, mom's sojourn into Apple products and the fact that she's gotten herself a big giant iPad is that she's finally mastered texting since it's so much easier to text on her iPad. It is easy to text on the iPad. Yep. So she's texting me. Apparently, um, well, I need to harvest my potatoes in 30 minutes, and she wants to make sure I do it so we can get this trunk <laughs> for township. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I've, I've got, I've got mine. I'm, I'm at the point of like I'm just mine. helping she other people. Have her, so I'm helping her get one for her. What is She's your, what is your one. horrible task? 
Um, I have to grow 120 potatoes, but they're about 34 minutes from being done. So I had I did a I did a last minute task for somebody. Um, um, and it was to get 11 watermelons. <laughs> it's like 11. That's a little sketchy in one day, but I made it. That was that time when it went off. I went to go check, and I got that 11th watermelon in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> I am. Um, I had to get 14 bananas for one of mine, and I'm like, I only got 13, so then I had to send another ship. Fuckers. That's annoying as hell. Isn't it? Bullshit. I sent four ships. Oh, here it is. Here it is. This is just the summary. It says, Tentacle Monster Steve is captured by Hydra. They send in the Winter Soldier with a bullwhip to break him. But as far as Steve's concerned, the most beautiful creature he's ever seen walked into his cell and started waving a sexy black tentacle at him. It's love at first sight. (laughs) I am so dead curious. (laughs) I know. And one of the... One of the... um, one of the tags, which I find to also be funny, um, is magical healing tentacle. Oh, do I need to go over to the to the the cooking diary thing? My bad, Rosie. I I uh I got distracted by potatoes. Are we in the same guild? Yeah, I think she's in our guild. I have been playing. Girl. I'll work on it after the podcast. Well, unfortunately, our, our our the current thing we're doing is very limited by. Um, you have to. It's really to annoying. Have, the fairy tale characters. Oh no, we're done with that. Oh okay, okay. We're on this one where you have to have assistance, and the thing is, if people don't log in and respond to help requests, the quest goes nowhere. Okay, well, I helped earlier. There were some yeah, help requests. Podcast topic. But we only got three minutes left. Um, and, um, but, you know, like I said, you know, when, when I'm in the beta process and when I'm in the mood to beta, I do it because I find value in it. And I find um, uh, satisfaction in in my work that way. Um, and, you know, honestly, one of the best beta experiences I ever had that produced, I think, one of the best stories on my site is No Enemy Within. Um, and it was six to eight months of beta between me, Jilly, no, no, me, Lady Holder, and Chris, and um, Chris King. And um, it was, it produced a, a really tight, concise and epic story. I am really proud of um no knowing me within and and Lantern Legacy as a whole. But uh the editing process wasn't for my reader, it was for me. So if um you know if you approach it that way I think that you'll be more satisfied uh, um, as a writer. I mean, I think one of the stories I spent the most time in in the in it was mostly alpha work. Um, that I think came out really, really well. It much better for going through that part of the process. Um, but I knew that that story needed help, 
and that was memories, and you helped me with it. I knew it needed help. I knew I had issues. I knew that I wasn't seeing what the problems were, and I think I got a really good story out of getting the help. There are times, though, when I finish writing, and I know the story's good, and I know the story's fine the way it is, and I know that content is not my issue, right? And and I have been going through beta as, as part of a – by rote, basically, because it's like it was an expectation. But And I think that that's what we're kind of challenging is do you need to do that? Yep. So we're down to 45 seconds. I hope you guys have a awesome, beautiful Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating. I hope it's wonderful. Um, please don't go shopping and get arrested. Judges are off the bench, and, you, and you'll be in jail the whole holiday. And no one looks good in orange. Say good night, Jilly. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs>